Welcome, folks, to the RC Report. I am your host, RC Carlton. The RC Report is a part of the IBN Network, one of the many podcasts that we host on the network. Today, I have a very special treat, James Hollis from Basketball Breakdown. We're going to break down the NBA at what is relatively the halfway mark, even though it annoys me that the NBA doesn't actually stop at the actual halfway mark. But we're going to talk a little NBA trade deadline and what we see going on in the second half and reflecting on the first half. James, what's up? Hey, what's up, brother, man? How you doing? Yeah, James Hollis of uh, Beef. Hey, I appreciate the intro, but just make sure everybody out there listening uh, can follow us and, and see where we're at. It's bballbreakdown.com. Okay. Um, let's get right into it and say we're looking at the trade deadlines coming up this week. And I'm gonna we're gonna play virtual GM. You, I'm gonna give you a name. You tell me if you think the team should move them or not, and then tell me uh, what you think it would take to to move this particular player. Hi, hypothetically. Oh boy! All right, I'll do it a try. <laughs> okay. Um, Dwight Howard. Um, the, the issue with Dwight it's it's kind of tough because uh, he's making a lot. Of, he's making a ton of money right now. I think what almost twenty five mil. But he's a free agent uh, at the end of this year, so anybody who gets him is getting a very short-term rental. Uh, I think right now it looks like uh, Maury wants to move him for uh, flexibility, maybe a couple uh, a couple picks if he can get him in. Uh, if he can get somebody to help, that's cool. But um, there's talks about Boston. I, I don't want to see him in Boston because that's not the kind of player I think want to give assets up. If you're a, if you're a rebuilding team like Boston, he's somebody who wants to go to a contender. Um, I heard talk about Charlotte. Yeah, it, it would help them in the long run because, you know, Al Jefferson's out and they don't have much of a interior presence. So um, I, I heard the Whiteside deal. That sounds like that would probably work. They're getting, um, you know, Whiteside would probably commit there long term if they like him. I, I'm not a big believer in Whiteside. Uh, and then for Miami, you know, it would have helped a lot, but now with Chris Bosh out, that kind of scuttles up plan too. So yeah, they want they want some kind of cap flexibility. They want some maybe some picks, and of course, in a perfect world, Houston would want a, a young player who could, could contribute. But right now, I think Clint Capella can hold it down. And they did look for flexibility. What is, what do you think Dwight still has left in the tank? Uh, his camp seems to believe that, well, he is the fourth or fifth option, but they seem to believe it's because of a lack of touches, a lack of running the offense through him, or at least in a secondary nature and there's James Harden's isolation tactics that are holding him down, I tend to believe he's been diminished by age and injury. Uh, you're, you're spot on, man. Uh, Dwight, his big his big calling card before was his, his freakish athleticism. As he's gotten older and he's dealt with the back injuries and, you know, assortment of other injuries, he's lost some of that. Um, every, every year he's missing more and more games due to nagging injuries. So uh, he, he never really – he's just not a polished post player. He never has been, and that's that's through no fault of his own. That's just not who he is. But as we saw in the playoffs, he can still be game-changing defensively. Uh, he can be a dominant defensive player and changing shots, blocking shots, rebounding. And, um, yeah, if he's still throwing up around the rim, he can still go up there and get it better than, you know, 99% of the league. So he can still he still offers you a good, you know, at a, on a good night, 17-22, 13 boards, a couple blocks, a lot of change shots. Um, and, and when he's when he's motivated, he can still run the floor pretty well and get up and and, and a little transition in spurts. He can't he can't bring it night in night out anymore. But over a playoff series, that could be a difference maker. All right, how about Blake Griffin? 
Um, for Blake, it's amazing because I saw somebody saying today that, like, for Denver to give up uh, Gallinari, uh, like, Yusuf Nurkic and, you know, a couple other picks, like Randy Foyne and picks would be too much. Blake Griffin is only in year six. He's only 26. He's a legitimate 25 and 12 threat every night. You know, he can go off for 40 or 50, you know, if you get him rolling. Um, I think because Chris Paul is such a uh, such a, a, a controlling, ball-dominant guy, and people understand this, the Clippers don't like to run. Chris Paul doesn't like to run. You get him in a fast-paced offense, and you see Blake Griffin, like, let his skills really unfold. He's a great passer. He's uh, I think his defense is better than some people think. He's still not a lockdown, but he's passable defensively. Um, you'd have to give up a lot. Uh, we're talking, you know, lottery picks or we're talking two or three really high-level young guys. Uh, you have to give a lot to get Blake Griffin. So, uh, yeah, even the Denver deal, I heard. You know, Gallinari, uh, maybe one of those, those good young bigs, uh, like Yusuf Nurkic, and uh, a few picks, and you might have something there for Blake. But, uh, yeah, yeah thing, I think he's going to – I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, the thing I don't understand about this rush to trade Blake, and I guess uh, the fight or – I don't guess you can't call it a fight. <laughs> Punching the trainer is not the best look. But the thing I don't understand is he's younger than Chris Paul, and if they think this to be dissolved, Blake is the one I would keep, and I would let Chris Paul go, even though they've had this success. I think it's fool's goal based on a lot of his scheduling. And when Chris Paul was out, I guess a couple of years ago, Blake was basically third in the MVP race, and he just played some of the best basketball of his career when Chris Paul was out, and we got to see some of all of his skills. So, I don't understand why Paul isn't the one up as opposed to Blake. And you know what? You just hit the nail on the head. Because um, you look at the big scheme of things, he's, you know, he's, what, four or five years younger. He's actually like the he, – he sells tickets. Chris Paul will win you games and sell tickets, but people will pay price of admission to come see Blake Griffin dunk. We haven't seen as much lately, but, I mean, he is literally uh, – he puts on a show. So, yeah, I, I, if if – if the Clippers are feeling like they've plateaued, which I can't feel like that's what it seems like, that they know that they're very good, but they're not the Golden State. They're, I mean, let's be real. They're not really, even OKC, I think, because of those two guys, Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, seem like, you know, in a series, it's going to be really tough to beat them. Um, if the Clippers are feeling like they need to do some kind of restructuring, it seems like that would be the way to go, is move Chris Paul uh, and, and let Blake Griffin run the show. I, I've been saying for a couple of years that I think that for the Clippers to take the next step, they need to find a way to let uh, Blake Griffin take more of the, the, the load and be the guy. It's harder to win with point guards dominating the action than it is with a, a guy like Blake who scores from the perimeter and inside. Yeah, and, he's, and, and to his credit, Paul, last the last couple of years, he's been deferring more, but he's always going to be Chris Paul. He's a point guard, and he's going to want the ball. Yeah, and, and it's funny because I think a lot of people say, I, I think Charles Barber said that Chris Paul is the best leader in the NBA. I'm not sure if that's true. I know Chris Paul, he he, he postures himself as, and he has all the trappings of a great leader and sort of carries himself and, you know, barking at his guys. But I'm not sure if he really is, um, as far as building a team, is, is he what, what people think he is. So Yeah, I mean, when you're up 3-1 like that, the, base, the best leader in the NBA doesn't let that happen. But, you know, everything is not your fault, but I don't know if I can call you the best leader. When, or the, Let's say I say you're the best captain. But if you captain the Titanic, <laughs> I have to question yeah, yeah. your ability it's, as a captain. 
I try not to get into the whole, I think the whole, you know, oh, well, if he's so great, how can he never reach the second round? That's like that hot take, you know, Twitter conversation yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, too easy. But, I mean, it's, sooner or later, it's like, what, what do you – and it, it, guess what? It's not his fault. He played in the league with where LeBron James is and now Kevin Durant is. These guys are the best of the best, and he's not them. He's just not, you know. Uh, he, he's been beaten usually by better teams. Um, so it's it's not his fault. He's still really good, but maybe he's just not – you know, he's not Chris Paul. I mean, he's not uh, he's not LeBron James. He's not Kevin Durant. Russ Westbrook has that crazy game changing athleticism. Steph Curry has that insane shooting. I mean, he just, he might have been just cursed to be playing in the the wrong time. Let's go to the East and Kevin Love. He seems to be one of the hot trade uh, topics. Um. Okay, so my 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 thoughts on Kevin Love have have swung back and forth across the barometer a little bit because I was a I was a believer in his numbers and his play in Minnesota. And he was. He was mis they 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 mishandled Billy and Team right here in Minnesota. That's that's that you can't argue that. But now that I've seen him in Cleveland, it I, I really figured that he'd do better in Cleveland and he fig filled the Chris Bosch third option role. But I I guess I didn't really take into account that he wouldn't be able to make that defensive impact. Um he he needs a very specific team to build around him. So uh, it's it's tough because, you know, all these teams will have cap room, they're going to have space. And, but what do you want to really give up to make Kevin Love your best player? That's what's really tough. Boston's in the mix. Uh, they have a lot of pieces. They have picks. They have cap space so they can make it work. Um, you, it's really tough because Cleveland's already so good. But, again, it, Golden State is making things so tough for everybody because if you're not good enough to beat them, and no one really is right now, it seems like championship is almost there to win, barring injuries, and what are you what are you doing? So what can what can Cleveland really add? It's I, I I I'm I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to I'm gonna I'm gonna you know what? I'm gonna reverse I'm gonna reverse field and I'm gonna throw the question to you. What do you think should be moved for Kevin Love and who do you think can do it? That's, that's a good question. I think for him, Boston seems like a natural fit, and I guess you get some wing defenders if they're willing to get get. But I don't know who they would actually be willing to give up. But I, I think a lot of these teams are overreacting because Golden State is so good that they're trying to make these moves, especially Cleveland, you just – this is just your team, and you just have to play out the string and see what happens. I don't think you're going to naturally find someone that can come in and guard Steph Curry and guard Clay Thompson or guard Trayvon Green. Maybe you can make a small move, but, yeah, I just don't even see – for me, for Golden State, and we can – I mean, not Golden State, but Cleveland, we can have this philosophical argument. But I think the second person that the offense goes through should be Kevin Love and not Kyrie Irving. I think you already have LeBron, who's ISO heavy. Then we have Kyrie does it, doing it. The offense becomes stagnant. I think it's a much better offense when you give Kevin Love his elbow touches and you let him get involved in things too, as opposed to just making him a standstill shooter. Well, see, the problem with that is, is like it sounds great, but we know the NBA is a very like a team is a very organic thing, and you got a point guard with the ball in his hands. You can't tell him, hey, you know, you're our young point guard. We need you to come down. And don't do things unless, you, you know, you're the third option. It just doesn't work like that because Kyrie's going to be aggressive. He's going to look for his shot like he's done his whole career. But I like – you make a good point. You know, like maybe if the team was LeBron James and then uh, Kevin Love and then, you know, maybe some other lesser point guard, you know, I think he'd put up a good, you know, 19 and, and 12 easily. But it's just the fact that they do have two ball-dominant guys in Kyrie and LeBron, it just – it it's – they 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 did a good job compiling the talent. I don't know if they got the right talent 
you know, with those yeah. three. I mean, I just don't think it fundamentally works. If you have two guys that are that ball dominant, if you look at what they did in Miami, where Wade learned to play off the ball, it's not – I mean, if you want to win, you have to change. And I feel, and love to some degree, too. But Kyrie, that team, fundamentally to me, and my brother says four, but they have three guys that play superstar ball, which they want the ball in their hands and they want everything to revolve around them. Well, you, you can't – when you're winning, when you're on a championship team, you can't have three guys to play superstar ball. You've got to have other guys that do the little things. They can move without the ball, and they don't run enough. I mean, some of the stuff is simple. They don't run enough Braun and Kevin Love pick and rolls. There's lots that they could do to incorporate Kevin Love that they really don't do or they could do that they just don't even care. I don't know. Well, and the issue with that, I think, is, is the, the blessing and curse of having a player like LeBron James that uh, Blatt – you know, that was just a perfect storm of, of a mess when they brought Vlad in and LeBron because LeBron does have vast knowledge, and he knows, hey, playing my way works. So when Vlad tried to institute the Princeton offense, I don't know if you remember, uh, Kevin Loving had a, I think a comment where he said, you know, this is borderline genius offense that we run. But the problem was LeBron didn't – Black didn't get LeBron on his side. Therefore, LeBron said, I'm going to be LeBron and do what we need to do to get to where we need to get. And that just kind of – almost doomed uh, doomed Black from the start. And, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is. I mean, he's great, and he's going to get you to the finals, but I, I hate sounding like a broken record. The way Golden State is right now, that might just not be enough. I, I tend to agree, barring injury. Let's, let's move to the Warriors. The Warriors have 17 home games remaining. They've got a crucial six-game road trip coming up where three of those games are on the road against the Clippers, the Hawks, and the Thunder. They need to finish 25 and 5 in order to get to 73 wins and beat the 95-96 Chicago Bulls uh, record of 72 and 10. You think they can do it? Oh, uh, I, I think in a vacuum, sure. Uh, I would hope, though, when they hit about you know they hit by 18, 19 games, and if they're you know they 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 maintain this kind of pace and they have a pretty good lead on, on San Antonio and whoever else third, fourth that uh, Kerr does a smart thing and starts strategically resting guys. And the record should be a, a nice cherry on top of their season, and they should all go into the, the, they should go into playoffs healthy and pretty well rested. It shouldn't be something that they drive for, you know, and they, 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 they play guys long minutes towards the end. If they're up and they're winning and they get it, hey, it's definitely a possibility. Because this team right now, as instructed, it's, it's hard to beat, you know. I can't see it's – I mean, look, they, they're like 40-something and four right now. You know, they start off 44 and four or whatever it was. So, yeah, they definitely can do it. Um, I just hope, you know, over-exert themselves doing it. The scary thing about them, and what and that's what I was thinking earlier in the season, too, the scary thing about them is they don't necessarily play their A game, and they blow so many teams out that it's almost like they're not exerting themselves, which is scary. Granted, they haven't – they've played San Antonio and uh, – Oklahoma City twice combined, but just in general, even their their C games, they still win, and they're blowing a lot of these teams out. Well, it's easy to say that, and, and like, that was, uh, I don't know if you saw it, but Matt Moore, uh, also known as HP Basketball on Twitter, real good follow, smart basketball guy, he was making a big thing about how at first he thought there's a chance they could run the table, and then, but, I mean, no matter what we see, it's it's a grind every night getting up for an NBA basketball game. Even if Curry set out 15 uh, fourth quarters, that means he's played into the fourth quarter in, you know, 40 games. It's a grind. Uh, he had a problem with his shins. 
uh, I think Draymond had an ankle injury or something with his knee. Yeah, he he games. It's going to happen. It's no matter no matter how much we say about them exerting themselves to even get out to a huge lead in the first quarter takes effort. It takes it takes it takes a lot of you know effort to be an NBA basketball player. So yes, they're going to be fresher than most teams come playoff time. But no matter what, come playoff times. You're tired and you're injured. There's, there's no way to be, you know, let's say 80%, 90% then. It's 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 a long season. Um, so, yeah, they're going to be fresher than most, and uh, they're young, they're they're energetic. I, I just hope Steve Kerr uh, looks at what Pop does, even though he's got a lot younger. And, I mean, strategically rest guys down the stretch. It doesn't matter. You, if you, like you said, they're, they're good enough to bring their C game against most teams and beat them by 15. If it happens, it happens. What team do you think, uh, match. I, we both pretty much seem like we agree that they're probably gonna end up winning again. But what team do you think matches up best with them in a series? Um, it's weird because we saw what Milwaukee did. Uh, Milwaukee can kind of grind them down and get big and give them two really good games. Um, but that's not that's not a real you know, matchup. Uh, I mean, I thought I would say the Spurs. Spurs got blown out. Uh, I think though, with just knowing Pop and the talent they have there, you gotta give them a puncher's chance. OKC, they got right back into the game, tied up late, but their execution was lacking, and the fact that they gave a swing point in the first half is troubling. It's just, um, I mean, maybe we could say we saw what the Cavs did with no Kyrie and no Love. If they play, I mean, do you, you know, maybe even bench Kevin Love, give him, you know, 15, 20 minutes out of goals, and then bench him and try to do what they did last year? Except now they got, you know, Kyrie instead of Delavidova running the point. So, yeah, LeBron's that good. Add Kyrie to that. Uh, maybe Love can find a way to stay on the floor. But, uh, yeah, OKC with KD and Russ just being so just damn awesome on their own, make it really hard against anybody in the series. But other than that, man, it's it's, it's hard to see. Are you seeing anything different from Oklahoma City this year? I know they, they fired uh, Scott Brooks. They've got Donovan in there. And it still seems to me – when push comes to shove, they're going to go to that heavy iso ball and try to make tough shots with Westbrook and Durant. Yeah, and, and this is no fault to Billy Donovan's um, unless unless he's pop or this is Rick Carlisle where he can come in and demand that kind of respect. These guys have been doing it for seven, eight years before he showed up. It's really hard to change the DNA of a player, uh, like the, the makeup of a player who's been doing something his whole career in a few short months. So you can't really blame Billy Donovan. And when you have players that good, why not go ISO? But I have noticed that um, Russell Westbrook is having, you know, probably the well, – not probably, the best assist uh, totals of his career. His usage is down. His shots are down since um, – I think after the first 20 games, he showed up. There's a market difference. His turnovers are down. He's playing a lot more under control. And can you, you maybe you can put that to the system or put that to maturation. I'm going to give Donovan the benefit of the doubt with that. Um, Kevin Durant's being super efficient. He's he's actually he's actually set a lot of fourth quarters himself, and he's actually playing. His minutes are pretty much down. So I think Donovan's doing a good job of getting them to try to trust their teammates. Um, I see Kevin Durant passing up shots to move the ball, trying to fit you know run the offense. They actually have some sets. I, I see they run some actually pretty pretty clever sets, and at times their offense looks really good. But like you said though, well, yeah, when when things get tough and they you know the the, the other guys aren't hitting shots. Or the game's close at the fourth quarter, you know, you end up with KD up top and they're running four flat. That's not good. But I think it's a work in progress, and um, their defense has been atrocious, which is kind of kind of alarming because, you know, they have the same personnel with Serge and KD and Russ. But uh, I, I give them. 
I mean, hey, it's incomplete right now. It's a, it's a work in progress, though, and we see the guys making progress. My thing with them, and of course, and you're looking at a team that probably has two of the top five players in the league. My thing with them mm-hmm. is that you don't have to just shoot the ball in the crunch in the crunch time. Like you can create a shot, and a lot of times those guys they don't trust their teammates. And granted, they don't have great shooters around it, but just in general. You, the ability that Michael Jordan or even Michael Jordan, you will see many times in the with the game on the line, he passes someone because he's creating a shot based on all the attention. But with those guys, I feel like they're just like, it's, it's my turn. Katie's like, it's my turn to shoot. Wes looks like it's my turn to shoot in the last two minutes, and this is what we're going to do no matter what. And you're right. And like I said, I think it's, it's really hard to break them of that habit because that's what they've been doing for the last seven, eight years. That's what they're comfortable doing. Um, and, and if, if Donovan, hey, I've, I've, I was talking to someone on Twitter today and they, were, they said they're tired of KD being so unselfish because they think they want him to take some shots that are passing out. And I said, that's good. He's buying into the offense. He's trying to move the ball and, and, and empower the role players and get them taking shots. And if they take them now, if they're missing, they won't be scared to take them in the moment. So that's a good thing. So, um, I've noticed with KD at least throughout the course of the game, He's trying to get his teammates involved, and yes, towards the end of the game, they might revert back to, to ISO ball. But I mean, that's him wanting to win the ball game. So they, I, it's it's a, it's a it's a work in progress trying to get them to trust their teammates completely. To me, the Cavaliers are looking for something that's just not going to happen. Golden State has moved into just almost it feels like a new era of basketball, and I feel like LeBron and Cleveland are back in that old era where you take games off and some nights you just don't have the effort there. They don't really move the ball. And they're looking for all these trades and all these things to make it right. And just fundamentally, they're just not better than Golden State. Um, I agree with what you said. I, I don't think it's so much about the, the effort as far as the fact that, that uh, LeBron knows he can't bring it every night anymore. Honestly, he's getting a little older. He's not old. He's not washed up, but he just knows how to pace himself. But you just you hit the nail on the head because the game has evolved at such a breakneck speed. No one, if you told me three years ago Golden State would be some unbeatable team with Steph Curry averaging 30 a game, I would call you a liar. If you told me if, like three years ago Draymond, Draymond Green would be the second most player on the best team, on a historically great team, I would have called you a liar. No one could have saw this coming, but now it's here. The teams have no counter for it. Um and maybe no, no maybe to it. No, no team has a real counter for what they do. You can't double Steph because Dre is going to Dre is going to kill you in the in the four on three. You can't uh, double Dre because then Curry and Clay are going to just bomb away on you. Uh, Harrison Ford chips in hitting threes. Iggy hit threes. They're deep. They're versatile. And right now there's there's seemingly no answer for them. So uh, Cleveland, they did you know they did the best job they could with the knowledge they had and the, the assets they had. And and now it looks like it just might not be enough. And uh, me and you both said it, and we're gonna we're, we're gonna just sound almost like you know we're homers or whatever. I'm, I'm not a Cleveland fan. I mean, I'm not a Golden State fan. It's just that right now they're head and shoulders better than anyone else in the league. And until somebody shows me that they can beat them four games out of seven, I, I don't see it being done. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. What have you seen? It, depending on how closely you watched them since Tyron Lou has coached, but what have you have you seen any difference from between Lou and Blatt and how the teams played? Um, I haven't really watched. I'll, I'll admit it. Um, I'm just, I, I, yeah, I just haven't really watched too much. But f- from what I'm hearing, uh, it's funny. Right after it happened, he said he wanted to pick the pace up, and I know that at least, uh, like you know, a week, maybe a week afterwards, they were playing at a slower pace than they had been playing on the black. 
Um, and another thing, I you know, this is not what I've seen, but I, I may I read it. I wish I remember. I, I wish I could credit who I read it from. He's holding guys accountable in the film room, uh, where Black was kind of a, a shy away from you know critiquing LeBron's effort or play. He's film. He's freezing the film and he's saying, "Hey, Bron, you got to get back here. You got to do this here." So that's a positive. He's 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 not playing favorites, uh, but at the same time, he was kind of handpicked by Bron from my feeling about it. So he kind of is a favorite. Um, yeah. It is what it is, though, man. They they have LeBron James, who is right during a five in a series will be the most influential player on the floor. Uh, but they don't, other than Ke- than Kyrie and Kevin Love, they just they don't have a lot of guys. I, my big thing with Jared Smith is if you're depending on Jared Smith, then you're 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 going home because he I, I don't trust him. I don't believe in him. You know, yeah, so it's, it's very it hard to believe in. But to me, you know, it's, it, Jr. will give you. Two game, well, let's say he'll give you a game and a half or a game and a quarter in a, in every series. But Shumpert, what I just don't understand. Maybe it's injuries, but I was disappointed with him in the finals and this year's the injuries. But he has not been what I feel like what they thought he would be. Um, I, and it's, I just read today that there was you know trade talks that trying to move him too, and there's there's talk about him being disinterested or him uh, maybe being more interested in off court things than than being a great basketball player. And I don't know. I, I don't know if that's just those, those are rumors, but I think Shepard has always been more potential than actual production. Ever since he was you know first the Knicks made him untouchable because he's gonna be the next uh, two way wing. And then, you know, injuries, he had some injuries, but we've never seen Shump just be really good for an extended period of time. And I think we might be seeing that this is who he is. Uh, he might just not pan out to be a, a, a great player. He might be a nice role player, somebody, you know, maybe, but he just might not be that good. So I think we're starting to re- I think people are starting to realize that about him. I agree. Uh, we saw Kobe Bryant over the All-Star weekend basically get his up-teeth um, going-away celebration uh, from what I've seen of you, you are a Kobe realist, and I tend to be a Kobe realist too. But his fans, as you know and I know, are very diehard. What do you think is Kobe Bryant's legacy? Um, Kobe's. All right, you know what? My thing with Kobe, uh, I, I, I'm a self-professed Kobe hater, being that I, I respect what he's done, but uh, his legacy is when Michael Jordan left, there was a void, a superstar void left. There was plenty of talent in the NBA, but there was uh there was no it guy. Even with Shaq, everyone else. Kobe stepped in and he became that larger than life player. Even if his game didn't quite stack up like Mike's did. So uh he's a, a, a fantastic scorer. You can't take eight away eighty one away from him. He he was polarizing. He was, uh, you know, at times he's one of those guys you either love or hate. A lot of people hate him. A lot of people love him. Um, he definitely made his name as a you know a top. I always say he's you know top fifteen player in the NBA. Um, and at the same time, he he has a, the probably the most rabid fan base we're ever we're ever going to see. Um, so he he's made his impact. Uh, his sneakers are up there as one of the best sellers. I always say it's it's a sincerest form of flattery to to copy you know to get copied, and then for him to be an imitation of the best ever and Michael Jordan but still play the play the trail for himself says a lot. So um, he's an all time great man. I, I I personally wasn't a fan of his not just because I'm a Celtics fan. And he was a Laker. I didn't like his demeanor and I think he I think even as great as he was, 
he was overrated by some of his fans and even some other players. Hey, you know, he's right behind Mike. No, he's not. But he's, he's, no, he's not even he's close. Safe. I've heard people, his most rabid fans would say number two. And I'm like, are you crazy in your head to think Kobe Bryant is the second greatest player of all time? Exactly. I, I, he's great, but when I see people put him in the top five all time, no, he's not. But he, it's, it's also funny to see people say, like, say insult to say that, you know, at 15, he's better than, you know, I guess there's been 4,000 4, and something NBA players in, in history. And I'm saying he's the one of the 15 best. That's a pretty high compliment in my in, in anybody's mind it should be. Yeah, I think ESPN in their list was pretty controversial. Had him at 12, I think. I would probably put him at 8, 9, 10, somewhere in there. But if that's not far from 10 to 15. That's not a, a far cry, which basically everyone says he's a top 15 player that ever played the game. So you can't find many people that will say, put him outside the top 15. And if you, if you and I even I'll say if you put him outside the top fifteen, then you probably just don't really like him. But I don't like him. But I'm going to say I have him. I think I have him twelve. And you know, somebody was arguing with me very passionately about how he, oh, if he's not your top ten, then you're crazy. I said, well, twelve is right beside ten, bro. It's not that big a difference. <laughs> yeah, it's not that far. Two spots down from the number you know, it's, ten. It's, right, it's not crazy. It's right it's, there. It's, it's, yeah, it's where you how you view people like Jerry West and Elgin Baylor and people like that. I think are. You can. There's some debate, and you can look at Kobe's unique because of those three titles where at least two, he was a Robin. So it's what you do with those two championships, or to some people three, but I definitely know for two, he was a Robin there. On that third one, they were one and one alpha. They were, you know, up there together. And, and my thing, I mean, another, let's, let's, let me ask you this. Can you tell me what year or years uh, was Kobe Bryant Hands down, the best player in the NBA. See that that, and you can't. It, it's really, it, it's really hard because I mean, we had the conversation on Twitter too, and people were trying to say, "Oh, 2007, 2008," and I said, "Well, you know, look at Dirk that year. Look at you know Kim Duncan that year. There's always somebody that I can make an argument for being just as good or better than Kobe in any season. You know, and I think from 2008 on, it was all about LeBron. He's he's been unequivocally the best player in the league since 2008 up until maybe this year when Steph Curry just kind of stormed the scene. But you can't yeah. really say it about Kobe him. Never no time had that look run at of eight years, five years, where he was just undisputed the guy. I think maybe there are three years. They uh, around those when when Shaq left and he was they got to the playoffs against the Suns and uh, he scored eighty one. Maybe three or four years in there where people feel like, which God knows, they never shut up about Nash stealing his MVPs. Kobe fans, but um, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so definitely those two years with Nash, maybe I think one of those those Shaq he was with Shaq on the Lakers. But yeah, it's hard. It's murky. You're right. It is very murky. If you look at it, it's maybe two, three, maybe four years where he was undis. Yeah, depending on how you look at it, where he was undisputed, and that's not that is not the same as LeBron, who's had almost a decade almost. Exactly, and even like I said, even those three or four years, like Dirk won the MVP in 2007 for a reason. Dirk was amazing that year, you know. Uh, Tim Duncan in two thousand like four and two thousand five was was they won the championship two thousand five and Tim Duncan was insane. He's never been flashy like Kobe, but he's been such an awesome defender. Two thousand six, two thousand seven, Dwayne Wade was right there too. Dwayne Wade was incredible, you know. He was averaging like twenty seven six and seven or something that year. He was amazing. So I mean, there's always somebody right there with them. But it's 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 interesting. Uh, the fact that we're having this conversation speaks speaks uh, volumes yeah. about how great Kobe was. 
part of Kobe's problem is that when he was at the peak of his powers, his team was not good. And that hurts. That's why he only has one MVP. People are always like, well, he should have gotten Nash's MVP because he averaged 34 points a game and he scored 34. I mean, and he scored 81. Well, what MVPs do you know in the history of basketball? How many times has the MVP been on a seventh or eighth place team? You know, they just Never. don't do that. So you can't change exactly. the rules of basketball for, and I'm sure the Kobe haters, I, I try to be realistic about Kobe. I'm not a Kobe hater, people listening to the podcast, but I'm going to be realistic about it. Uh, you had uh, what I thought was a funny in- incident, whereas I, I even forgot that it was you before I asked for the podcast that I remember. <laughs> you, you had a funny uh, incident with a uh, Kobe hater. Can you uh, tell us that story? Um, that's when I really found out how insane they were. Uh, it was basically, um, right, it was, yeah, Christmas Day, uh, all the games were on, and I saw someone being uh, retweeted, you know, just saying how, uh, this is, you know, Kobe was in the midst of, uh, I think it was, before he got, it was before he got injured, before the second injury, I think, uh, the season-ending one. You know, he already had the Achilles. I think this was before the maybe the kneecap. Um, I'm not sure. But either way, he was, he was you know, he was averaging like 20 and 5, and he was shooting like 35%. And some guy was calling him elite. You know, what an elite player he still is. And I just said, I just, I'm like, this is stupid. And, uh, you know, his reaction was pretty, you know, he, he kind of started – you know, uh, this is a family radio show, I think, so I'm not going to. But either way, the reaction was way over the top. I mean, you know, he was he tried to argue uh, in a in a in a pretty ignorant way to my anything, any, any facts I was asserting. And, I, you know, I started actually messing with him, and, and, you know, he wasn't very bright. So it was pretty easy. I was talking circles around him. And then finally uh, I said something that really set him off, and he wanted to fight. So uh, I was in Arizona with my my family. So I told him, yeah, I'll come meet you in Temecula to, to fight, even though, you know, my very next tweet was, I think he, I hope he thinks I'm, you know, I'm in Arizona. And uh, the rest of the day, I guess he drove on Christmas Day down to Temecula from wherever he lived. To, you That's know, the scariest thing, that it was on Christmas Day and he did it. That was the, no, I, that was the most damn thing. To me, that's the, that's the funniest part because, I mean, I'm, I'm you know, 500 miles, 600, 400 miles away with my family. And even, even here's the thing, I don't, I don't know what people, what other people's lives are like, but even if I was living in Temecula, I'm not leaving my house to fight somebody over over basketball and over Twitter. It's it's ridiculous. So, um, yeah, it became a big thing. Um, a lot of news outlets picked it up and stuff, and it was it's funny because I think he went on Huffington Post Live with and 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 said that he was being in it, he, he was being bullied, or and he had to stand up for himself or something like that. Oh, and, really? That was his, <laughs> oh, yeah. He went, oh, on, yeah. He went yeah. on a liberal outlet and went that way. But that's not what he was talking about on Twitter. He was like, this is about men and sin. Oh, you call uh, me not real. Oh, he's and, blocking, right? Yeah, he's blocking, right? He's not, uh, <laughs> he's not listening yeah. to this. <laughs> you blocked. So that's, I don't know that's, 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 that's the funniest thing part, though. I doubt he'll meet me in Nebraska. But, uh... <laughs> So he had a mixtape dropped the next day, and he, you know, oh, God, so. yeah. So I, I, I can probably say I'm like I'm the only basketball blogger that has a, a diss a diss track aimed at him. So that's one of my claims to fame. <laughs> that's pretty special. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that story is just oh man, that was I even saw Bamani Jones talk about it on his Twitter. It was all up. That's been picking up. Yeah, it definitely was a. What was the reaction to it like? Like, what was it like being? For a few, I don't know, for a day or two, being like the eye of the internet kind of thing, eye of the internet. Oh, it was a, a pain in the butt. It wasn't after after 15 minutes. It wasn't fun anymore because 
my you know my notifications are going nuts. I got people you know calling me to be on the news. They ask me for my interviews, and it, it was a pain in the butt, man. It really was. Uh, but it, like I said, at the end of the day, you know, I had, I had people, other people, you know, his little he had lackeys, you know, threatening me and trying oh, to talk. No, same oh. stuff. But it, to me, it was just yeah. I just it was a pain in the butt. But it, it's always funny, and it's funny because my name that's I'm. I'm I'm known for that. I wish I was known for being a better basketball writer, but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, it's a start. Uh, before we go, let me um, give me your – well, let me ask you about your Celtics. What, what's the general state of the Celtics right now, since that's your team? Um, Celtics, yeah, I mean, Ainge did a great job of, of uh, asset acquisition. Players one through eight, uh, you know, there's you, – you can go eight or nine deep with, with no real drop-off, and that's their strength. When other teams go to their bench, Boston can make hay because their five on the floor will be better than – the other team's bent on the floor. Um, they're still looking for that big trade. They're looking for they, – they, they want to move a lot of pieces or and or picks to get a real deal star in town. Cause that's what they're missing. They're, they have a lot of really high-level role players with Isaiah Thomas even being an all-star this year. But I think it's more of a situational thing than actually him. But he's good. He's a good player. There's all, a lot of good players. But they're looking to make that big uh, that big splashy move to actually make themselves contenders. And um, my, my, my take never changed. I don't know why they got Isaiah Thomas and decided to make the playoffs last season when they were, you know, they were in the running for a Justice Winslow or Justice Winslow or, 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 or Booker or Miles Turner. But, hey, we are where we are now, which is it's a good position. They have cap space. They have assets. All right, last question to hit you out on this. Uh, give me your all-NBA team for the halfway mark, first and second, I guess. Um, all right, first team, uh, one guard, of course, Steph Curry. Uh, I got two guard positions. I'm not going to go shooting guard. My second guard would be Russ Westbrook. Um, three, I got to be realistic. I love Kevin Durant, but I think LeBron is still going to be – oh, yeah, I'll still go LeBron. LeBron for my uh, one forward. Second forward, I gotta go Kevin Durant. Um, and big man, I'm gonna give Boogie Cousins his props. He's been playing amazing this year. Uh, team two, Chris Paul. Um, I'd probably go Jimmy Butler, even though he's injured. I, I love his game. Uh, Kawhi Leonard. Um, this is tough. Uh, Brown's still up there, but he he's he's kind of uh, I don't know. I think he got got to get this season. Um, power forward or another forward. This is tough. I, I guess know. you could get Paul George or the Brow or I guess it depends on where you want to say his usage is at this year. Uh, I'm gonna respect. I'm gonna. I'm gonna respect Brown still, and I'm gonna put him there at power forward. And then honestly, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna reach for the center. I'm gonna go uh, Carl Anthony Towns. He's been amazing. He's probably been the second best center in the league, honestly, this season. Dwight's been in and out and. Ineffective, and now Mark Gasol is gone. So I, I'll go. No love for Drummond. Been actually spectacular. Yeah. No love for Drummond. Um, Drummond started off the season amazing, and he's kind of tailed off a little bit. And his uh, his terrible field goal percentage in a lot of games. He as big as he is, as athletic as he is, he, he shouldn't be shooting like fifty percent. He should be up there fifty five, fifty six, fifty. He missed a lot yeah, of bunnies. He blows a lot of stuff. So I love him. I love his game, and he'll be. I give, I can give him thirteen, but. Uh, I'm going to go Carl Anthony Towns. Been, Where do you honestly, see Kawhi at right now? I, I see you put him on your second team, but a lot of people are saying uh, – I've always felt like that people have rushed – to they've jumped on the Kawhi bandwagon too too quickly, and I think this is the actual year where you should be jumping on he's the elite player bandwagon. But how do you see him? I see him as being elite, and I also see him – These both of these things can be true. He's elite, but he's also beneficial beneficiary of being a spur. 
because as good as he is, there's under the Knights when he's not great, it's not very noticeable because they have so many other weapons and because they are the Spurs. Everything Spurs-related to me is its own atmosphere. You can't make comparisons and say, oh, look what the Spurs did, so this other team should do it. They're the Spurs. They're on their own planet. So he's elite. I, 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 he's right there. You know, I've heard him say top five. I'm not going to argue. He, he can be a top four or five player in the league. He's awesome. But he also has the safety of being a Spur. So it's it's not his fault, and it's not taking anything away from him because he's great. So, yeah, anywhere between uh, – yeah, he's, he's up there. He's top uh, – I'd say the top five players this season. All right, James, this was great. Tell everybody where they can find your work and where they can find you on Twitter. Hey, man, I really appreciate you having me on. Um, it's funny, I'm, I'm a big Scotty Pippen fan, one of my favorite players. So I, I, the play on my, the play on his name is you know, Snotty Drippin'. Spelled like Scotty Pippen with Snotty Drippin' in it. Um, <laughs> um, and then you can read me at bballbreakdown.com. Uh, a lot of real deal writers, a lot way better than me, so it's worth your time. Excellent Don't website. Me. Excellent website. Yeah, you'll learn a lot. It's a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun there. So, uh, yeah, uh, appreciate you having me on, man. Thanks a lot. All right, no problem, man. I appreciate it.